and hit. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Shelley, and we are here to discuss Prepare Benefits uh, presenting life sales. Um, the, there's a professional relationship between Prepare Benefits and our clients, and it only takes one bad experience to jeopardize that relationship. So not only does Prepare Benefits want you to use some proven techniques for communication, uh, we also want you to know what not to say. So the purpose of this module is to share effective communication techniques uh, that most successful counselors use. And by the end of this training module, uh, you hopefully will understand uh, the effective communication techniques and selling whole life, okay? These are some of the counselor's goals. Is you don't sell insurance. You sell ideas, you sell concepts. You educate, you are the SME, which is the subject matter expert. And then I want you guys to look at this chart. So of course all of the cases are different, but um, this is just kind of a call flow chart. Uh, we're not gonna address Everything in this chart, obviously, we're going to just take some pertinent parts because we're trying to more focus on life sales in this presentation. But uh, we're going to point out the important parts and kind of what order to go in. And so the first of these things is going to be gathering information. So, as she's saying here, uh, what you want to do before we begin, in order for me to help you the best I can, I'm going to ask a few questions to gather some general information. Is that okay? And hopefully the employee says yes. So these are some effective questions that I want you to ask, and we're going to go over this and kind of stop this for just a moment. Um, these questions, you notice how it says, are you married? Uh, may I have your spouse's name? Do you have any children under the age of 26? May I have their names? Do you have their social security numbers? What we really, and this seems hard to do, but what we really, really want to break the habit of is a lot of the calls um, and it's the majority of the counselors, so, you know, not singling anyone out, but they're so in the habit of saying, do you have any dependents you want to add to coverage? That's kind of the first thing in a lot of the calls we're hearing. So I want you guys to think about something and try to retrain yourself into breaking this question down to where it's more effective. Um, I did a survey recently, I did a test, and I also just asked some friends and people I knew, but at the, my last place of employment, I gave a test 
to 30 licensed insurance agents. And one of those questions on that quiz was, what is the definition of a dependent? And you guys would not believe these are licensed agents, but I'm telling you about four of those 30 answered that question correctly. And the answers were all over the board. Believe it or not, there were counselors that still believed uh, a dependent was up to the age of 19 or 23 if they were a college student, which is, you know, that, that law was changed back in 2010. And, or they said it's someone on your tax return, someone living at home. So we can't expect the general public when we say, do you have any dependents, really what that question means. In, for legal definitions, according to ACA, a dependent is a child under the age of 26, period. It doesn't matter if they live at home. It doesn't matter if they're married. It doesn't matter if they're in school. If you have a child under the age of 26, they are a dependent. Plus, some people are not thinking about their spouse at all when you say dependent. They're thinking of kids at home. So if you think about it, and I used to use this example a lot, although my son is older now, so I can't, but we're going to pretend for a moment that this is a few years ago when he was 25. When my son was, by the time he was 24, he was married, of course, out of the house, had a baby. So if I'm a person calling in and someone says, do you have any dependents? I mean, I'm not even going to think of my married son as a dependent. So I'm going to say no. If you asked me, do you have any children under the age of 26? You see how that changes the thought in my head. The other problem with this is some people even have, say they're divorced, and the agreement is I carry one kid on my insurance, my spouse carries a kid on their insurance. What you simply want to know is how many children do you have? If you're saying are you, who are you adding to coverage, a lot of these people call in knowing at the top of their head I'm just calling in to get medical dental vision for myself. My husband has his own uh, coverage. The kids have their own coverage. So when you ask me, do I have any dependents or am I adding any dependents? And I say no. There may have went four more people that were eligible on this call to enroll in a product. So it's not, and when you're asking them up front to make this decision, they don't even know all of the benefits you're going to go into. So if you don't have that information up front, then as you go through the call, you may be missing out on offering the benefits or the additional whole life products uh, to family members that a person may very well need that for them, but they didn't know that that was going to be offered. They're just thinking, who am I going to add to my medical? And that's how they answer that question. 
So I hope that uh, kind of makes sense. And really, I could go on and on about that all day. So I'll move on. But I hope you guys kind of understand the difference of how that question is worded. Another example I use sometimes is when you're asking a person up front, are you going to cover any dependence on anything? It's still kind of the same thing as asking up front before you've done your presentation. Uh, are you going to be adding anything extra today? Are you going to be buying anything extra today? Well, they're going to say no, you know, because they just know they're calling to keep their medical. It's another example I give is kind of like how many times do we say we're going to go to the store and just get milk? But when you go there and you notice how they have the milk all the way at the back, that's because you see all kinds of other things along the way. How often do we go in there and really just get milk? You see other things. There may be things on sale. There may be things you didn't know existed. So it's kind of like being that person at the front door. If somebody was standing at the front of the store and said, hey, what do you want? And you just said milk, they'd hand it to you and you'd be on your way. But they don't do that. They let you through and see everything available. They even have more stuff up at the checkout stand that you're thinking, oh, I didn't know about this. That's why we want to try to word that different. Just simply, are you married? To give us the idea if you have a spouse. Next question is, great, what's their name? Do you have children under the age of 26? Great, you know, what's their names? Even if they don't want to give you that information, they don't have their social security numbers or whatever the case is to add them into the system, at least you have that knowledge and you need to keep that in your head as you go through the benefits to know there is a spouse, there are 10 kids over here to offer the benefits to. Okay. So, why they are effective at this point you're just gathering information to learn who their family members are like i just said i want you to really try your best to avoid the word dependent we've got to just throw that word out we want to quit asking up front who they are covering um you know it notifying children may be entitled to certain benefits at no charge if they're kind of fighting back. What I've learned in these calls, if you don't try to get into the weeds or explain anything, if you just simply ask the questions the way I ask them, are you married? They'll just say yes or no. You have kids under 26, they'll just say yes or no. And now we've got that information. Um, but you want to really get their information because notice where it says, you know, notify them that children may be entitled to certain benefits at no charge. For example, critical illness you know, it, you never know when somebody may have a child that has had some condition that they're susceptible to things like that or when that may really come in handy that they actually had their kids covered on that. Um, and then, of course, it's, you know, telling you that dependent and spouse coverage will increase your premium per interview. Things like child life, too, you don't want to just cover one child and not have the other ones covered. 
So agenda, what you're going to let the people know at the beginning of the call, this is to kind of take control of the call. Let's begin with going through all of the benefits and plans available to you. Then we can discuss what best fits your needs. What we're first going to do is review your current benefit package. Then I'll explain your options that will help keep your coverage affordable while being specific to your needs. As we go through the benefits, I'll make some suggestions based on my expertise to make sure you're in the right coverages uh, based on your needs and identify coverages that may be important or unnecessary options that may save you some money. Is that okay? You guys don't have to remember all that word for word, obviously, but just kind of set the agenda, let them know you're going to be going through their benefits and, and making uh, some suggestions for them. So, usually the first thing that we're going to talk about is medical. Now, if you're thinking, well, what does knowing about medical have to do with life sales? A lot of the calls, and of course, a lot of the employees, they already know what medical plan they're in. They want to keep the same. But... This is the benefit that constitutes the largest expense for the employee, and it's at the forefront of their minds when they think of their benefit package. Uh, no matter what voluntary benefits, whether it's life, critical illness, whatever that you want to effectively communicate, the knowledge of the core benefits is very important because this is where you build your credibility. This is where you learn about their needs they're going to have their guard down when you discuss their medical plan with them and ask them some questions to make sure they're in the right plan. How often do we know that employees, it, if you think about it and you talk to employees, they don't know what kind of deductible they have. They don't know the difference in the plan they're in or a high deductible plan or how a high deductible plan work, what a health savings account is. It, most of the general public, they don't, you know, they pick what looks the best or sometimes what's the cheapest or sometimes what's the most expensive because they think that's better. So if you help them here, and this is where you ask them questions, they're gonna be more likely to engage with you here and find that you're simply trying to be helpful to them. So this is where we're gonna define their needs. If, let's just say for example, that they are in one of the more expensive copay plans and they're offered a high deductible health plan. This is one of the more misunderstood uh, health plans as you guys know and what a health savings account is a lot of people are scared of them they just see the co-pays and this is what i've learned from talking to a lot of employees they simply look at oh what has the cheapest copay to go to the doctor sometimes when you talk to these people you find out they never even go to a doctor and sometimes the difference in premiums of these plans you know it 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 just makes a, a huge difference. So you want to look at the plan they're in and not just say, hey, are you keeping this plan and move on because we really don't learn anything about them. You could, for example, let's say if a high deductible plan is offered, 
you know, just say, have you ever considered the high deductible health plan? Do you have a understanding of how that works and ask them how many times did you go to the doctor last year do you have any ongoing prescriptions by asking these questions and letting them know that you're just making sure they're in the right plan this is where they will open up if you know that they say well i haven't been to a doctor in you know, 10 years, I'm completely healthy, I don't take prescriptions, then you might want to look at that plan, but it also tells you you're dealing with a healthy person. If the person says, well, I go all the time, I'm diabetic, I have to buy my insulin, um, I had a heart attack last year, so I have to see my cardiologist, this gives you information that you need to know about this person you're talking to for when we come across other benefits that we know the importance of. So it's not just about um, selling on which medical plan they want. This is where you're going to learn about them and ask them kind of what things are important is it prescriptions? Are you active in sports? Because this is going to give you an idea of, you know, like, for example, when you get to an accident plan, obviously, if they mention cancer, heart attack, diabetes, things like that, then, you know, you're going to know about the critical illness. You're also going to know when it's important to mention guaranteed issue on some things. So what you're going to do is do the math for them. Uh, and compare their out-of-pocket. Now, this is a real, I don't remember what case this was. Uh, somebody may recognize it. I pulled it out of somewhere. But this was a real case that we had that I kind of looked at these two plans. And if you notice this, these guys had a high-deductible health plan and a PPO plan. And if you really break it down and look at this, their deductible on the PPO is $2,000. On the high deductible, it's $4,500. But look at their out-of-pocket max. On the high deductible health plan, it's actually lower. It's actually a $6,000 out-of-pocket, whereas the PPO was $7,100. Um, the difference there in the premium, that 86.43 versus 43.22, if you're dealing with a person who doesn't go to the doctor much, uh, they're not buying prescriptions, this is where you kind of want to do the math for these people and let them know they're basically spending the money. If it's somebody healthy, the objective to carry an insurance is not necessarily to pay a lot more money per check to buy co-pays to go to the doctor's office. They want to know what is the overall impact? What if I'm hospitalized? What if something major happens? Uh, if they're in the high deductible plan, they're going to be out of pocket less money overall. On the PPO plan, they're going to spend more money out of pocket plus pay more the premium throughout the year so what this helps you do if you look at the savings overall for the year and where this money is being spent 
if they're in that high plan, they may be calling saying, you know, I don't have any room to add anything else. And that's a, another reason why you may or may not be able to add life or other benefits. If you can show them, if you see in this other example on the high deductible health plan, this same money can be used to pay the premium, to put money in the health savings account, to buy an accident plan, to buy a hospital indemnity plan, to buy a critical illness plan, and to buy a whole life all for the same money that they're spending over here getting none of these benefits. So, you know, educate them, help them. This is where they're spending their money. And if you show them you're helping them here and, and learning about their needs, this is what's going to help you later on. Whereas if you skip this totally and you say get to the life insurance and then you start asking questions, you know, well, how's your health and that sort of thing, they're probably more likely to not open up to you and say, well, you know, I don't need any life insurance. I just want to keep my medical. This is where you're going to gain their, your, their credibility with the employee, let them know that you're here helping them, not just getting them to spend more money, seeing where you can actually save them money and give them a, a better benefit package. So, of course, now once we're past the medical, in addition to, why did that skip? Hang on. All right, so in addition to the medical benefits, of course, they offer several kinds of life insurance. Why is this giving me fits? <laughs> so of course there's basic life. Uh, that is an amount of coverage usually paid for by the employer, not always, but often basic life is what the employer gives the employee or it may be you know, very little premium. It's uh, sometimes offered as one times their salary or it might be a specific amount like 10,000 or 20,000 or 50,000, whatever the case is that that employer has chosen for them. And then there's supplemental or what might be called voluntary life. And that's where a person can buy more of that kind of life insurance. It's sometimes like three times their salary or five times their salary up to a maximum of 250,000 or 500,000 or, or whatever that case may be. And then of course there's permanent life insurance. That's an option that employers will offer. That's uh, the choice for the employee to keep for the rest of their life to take with them if they ever leave. So these are the different kinds, you know, there's group term life, permanent life, universal life. Uh, the, and the first one we're going to come to is the term life. That's the most common type of life insurance, and that pays uh, if you died during a specific time period. In the case of uh, employee benefits, it's usually just the term of your employment. And the cost goes up each year. The benefits can reduce, uh, as you guys know, at a certain age. 
the basic life, there's usually no reason for a person to not accept it because it's usually free or given to them or whatever. So that's generally a given. And then the supplemental life is, you know, if they want to, if they do need more. Now, accidental death and dismemberment, that is a death due to an accident. It's not the same as an accident plan. A lot of employees get these uh, things confused. But this is sometimes included with the basic life or the voluntary life a lot of times what it will do is double the amount of coverage. So let's say that an employer is giving you 50000 a basic life plus AD&D. What that means is if they die in an accident, they're going to get the 50000 basic life plus the 50000 accidental death. And then the dismemberment part is usually based on a certain percentage of that. You know, in case you lose a hand or a foot or, or both legs, that sort of thing. So the disadvantages to group life. Um, obviously, there's plenty of advantages. It's cheap to get. Uh, you generally don't have to have underwriting, especially if you're enrolling for the first time. Uh, but... You know, most people are unlikely to stay at the same employer for their entire career. Uh, what, what you don't want to happen, and I am a, a true believer in this, is by all means get what you can with your employer. It's, like I said, low cost and easy to get. But if you don't have life insurance that is outside of your job or that you own, your employer has the control over that. Let's say, for example, a pandemic strikes. You're off work. Whatever reason, you lose your job. Uh, there's all kinds of things that happens in life. And one of the worst things that I've dealt with is seeing when a person is during their working years, they only have life insurance tied to their job, and now they've developed an illness. Say they have cancer, they've had a stroke or something like that, and because of that reason, they've had to separate from their job, and now is when they've lost their life insurance, and now they're uninsurable. So it's always a good idea to have something that you know it is permanent it, that's outside of, of work that you can own. And so this goes into term versus permanent, which is what we just talked a little bit about. Um, term designed to cover you while you're working with your employer, low cost, uh, but increases each year, may not be portable, uh, does not accumulate cash value. So remember, term terminates with employment. Permanent uh, carries you into your retirement years. Uh, premiums remain the same. It's portable. It earns interest and builds a cash value. It, it covers, you can remember whole life. It covers you your whole life. Term covers you for a certain term. So the advantage to having both is two policies to meet the obligations. Uh, you may need higher amounts uh, while you're raising kids, while you have a mortgage, uh, you know, 
money for college, that sort of thing. But for later in life, once you've paid off your mortgage, you've raised your kids, and this is when your term life starts to reduce down or go away because you retire, uh, this is where you might need some whole life to carry you through to get you uh, to make sure you always have at least enough for funeral expenses or things such as that. So types of permanent life, you know, whole life, again, it's a permanent, it's a set premium. Universal life has is also another form of permanent life, but it has some flexibility with it. So, for example, if you need to lower your premium, if you need to lower the amount, if you need to skip some premiums because you're off work, that sort of thing, you it it earns interest and builds that cash value to put in reserves to help uh, pay that premium while you're out of work or you know, or anything else in, in life that happens. So you have some flexibility. Universal life also, the cost is usually somewhere between term and whole life. So why permanent life? Um, we will give you an example here of, for example, meet Charlie. So he's 35, he's married with two kids and a dog named Lucky. And he works for, in a, manages a hospital shipping department. Charlie wants to make sure his family is protected for life no matter what happens, because while he's pretty good at controlling shipping costs, he can't control everything. So you never know what life will bring. By enrolling in the universal life, he can uh, secure his family and he can work and play uh, without those worries. So if something goes wrong and suddenly something happens, he can leave behind cash for like funeral expenses, mortgage, uh, time away from work, that sort of thing. These are some riders that are common with universal life. Uh, of course, there's the accelerated death benefit that you almost always see, which gives you, say, in a lot of cases, 75% of the cost of it. I'm sorry, your face amount in the event that you're diagnosed with a terminal illness. Uh, we're gonna talk about long-term care and restoration of benefits. So when you guys, when you see policies that include long-term care, this is, so for example, if Charlie was in a car crash and he survived, but he needed long-term care uh, while he's recovering, I don't know how much you guys know about long-term care, but it is expensive. If you don't have a long-term care policy, just understand when people, and it's not just older people that uh, people believe. I've known younger people in, say, tragic car accident, things such as this, that they do need help with daily assisted living, 
um, or they end up in, in a nursing facility, these things are not covered by health insurance. They're also not covered by Medicare. So if you guys have ever heard about someone going into a nursing home and having to, well, they gotta get past a certain numbers of years that they've transferred their assets, this sort of thing. The only thing out there besides a long-term care policy or using your own funds, uh, some people do qualify to go on Medicaid to pay for a nursing home or long-term care, but that's when a person has had to drain all their assets. So if you've ever heard of a person having to drain all their assets to go on Medicaid, that's what this is about. But a lot of families, and I'm dealing with this right now uh, with a, a close personal friend, she is in a, a long-term care facility. She didn't have a long-term care policy. She's not poor enough to go on Medicaid. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't consider her extremely wealthy, but luckily she does have a retirement coming in, but her family paying out of pocket for this, they're paying 4000 a month. And this has been going on for now, I guess, about a couple of years. So it's 4000 a month, 4000 a month, 4000 a month out of her savings in retirement until they run out of money. So it shows here the average cost of a six hour visit by a home health aide is $126. So that's like 32,000 a year. Um, that's less than say if you were in a nursing home. Now, <clears throat> Charlie's policy has what's called, so when his policy has long-term care, so in this example, it would give him 4% of his benefit. So say he had 100,000, he could collect $4,000 per month for up to 25 months. And again, this is just an example, but a common way it pays. And because his policy has benefit restoration, make sure you always look for this in a policy because what it does, once he uses up that 100,000 to pay for long-term care, it restores all the way back into his death benefit. So if he bought a $100,000 policy with long-term care and restoration, that policy is actually worth 200,000. And this shows the accelerated death benefit I mentioned. This is just some messaging from some uh, universal life holders there. Now, the way we're going to position life insurance is you're going to do basic life, Permanent life, now this is when you can. The, ideally, this is the better way to sell it, and it's how I, I've always sold it, is I do the basic life, then permanent life, then the supplemental life. 
a lot of counselors are used to doing the basic and then the supplemental and then the permanent last. You want to do the permanent before the supplemental. And here's the way you're going to do that. <clears throat> so after making sure that the employee has made an educated choice on their core benefits, what you want to say next is, I think you've made some wise choices so far in your benefit choices. The next benefit we're going to review may perhaps be one of the most important benefits to most employees, which is your life insurance options. Your employer provides you with a basic life coverage, which is equal to your annual salary, up to a maximum benefit of $50,000. This is provided to you at no cost, so let's go ahead and set this up by telling me who you want as your beneficiary. <clears throat> and then the next thing that we're gonna go into is this is where you let them know that there is a difference between term life and whole life. Now, this is an example script. I'm not asking anybody if whatever you're saying is working, by all means, keep saying it. This is an example script. Uh, this is what I say, is while your employer provides you with a group term life benefit, understand this pays only while working for the company. You're also offered additional life insurance in the form of supplemental life, which is additional term life, similar to the basic life provided by your employer. And the other kind is a form of permanent life insurance that covers you for the rest of your life, whether you're working for the company or not. The rates are guaranteed and never increase. This is offered on your family members as well. You can get as much as X amount in coverage for X amount per paycheck, or you can start with a policy of X amount for only X amount per paycheck, or we can look for something in between. And then I stop there and let them speak, of course, and let them choose something. The next thing that you want to say, uh, you can let them answer there if they say no or you have already learned back in their when you discussed with them about their medical plan and you probed them, do you go to the doctor often, uh, do you have prescriptions, that sort of thing. The thing that you always, always, always want to mention uh, when you quote the whole life or any of the other benefits for that matter is this guaranteed issue. This is important to relay. So what you wanna say is this benefit is offered to you on a guaranteed issue basis. And what that means is there are no medical questions asked during this enrollment. You're guaranteed the coverage if you elect it. If you waive it, you can lose that guaranteed issue offer and on future enrollments. You can be turned down for any reason, including height, weight, medications, even family history or illnesses. It may be a good idea to take advantage of the offer by getting your foot in the door and even choose a minimal amount with the option to increase later. So the important part here of what I'm saying on that guaranteed issue, I will hear a lot of counselors say, you know, this is offered with no health questions or they say this is offered guaranteed issue. Understand that the general population, they don't even know what that means. And even if you say 
it, there's no health questions, they're going to think, so what? The most important part you have to drive home to them when you're talking about guaranteed issue is that means do it now or you can get turned down. People don't understand when you say it may ask health questions later, they're going to say, so what? You would believe, not believe how many people out there still do not understand that if they're diabetic, that if they had a heart attack, or if they've had cancer or all kinds of reasons, they can be turned down. People are, they're baffled by this. They're shocked by it. So uh, that's the part that you want to drive home. Act on it now or you can be turned down later. The next thing you've got to remember to do, and this is where you're going to increase sales on your life insurance. Even if you were to sell whole life on every single person that called in, the idea with those first effective questions was to get as many eligible people in one call as you can. We don't want to just uh, enroll one person in whole life. We want to find out maybe there's five or six people on this call that we can enroll, a spouse and their three or four kids or whatever. So. As you guys know, there's a lot of cases where even if the employee doesn't take it on themselves, you might still be able to offer it on a spouse or a child, depends on the case. And of course, if he takes it, then you want to offer it on, on the spouses and children as well. So always make sure you're offering it on every eligible person. So selling whole life for children, this has sometimes been a struggle with a lot of counselors. And sometimes what you will get people, uh, the pushback on is a lot of people don't even want to think about buying life insurance for their child. The thing that I do when I present life insurance is I always figure what their objection is going to be and I address it up front. So this is what I say uh, when I'm presenting for children and, it, and it's effective. Uh, I sell a, a lot of child whole life. I say this policy is also offered for your children. The reason this is a popular benefit with the employees for their children is not because they're afraid of their children dying young, but because they can lock this into place while they are young and they can keep the policy at that rate for the rest of their life. The policy earns interest and builds a cash value so later if they wanted to cash it out or borrow against it, they could. They can get a policy of this much for only this much per paycheck. Notice every time, whether it's on the employee and now on children, I am never ever saying, do you want to get a quote? Are you interested? I am explaining the benefit and always giving a quote. Now, sometimes you have young people on the phone, they have no dependents. And again, I kind of address what I think they're already thinking in their mind up front. I just simply go ahead and say, I know you may not have a need for a large life insurance policy at this time. After all, you're not married, you don't have any children. However, the average cost of a funeral today is somewhere around $15,000. 
If you think that may cause a burden on your family members, that may be a reason to go ahead and get a policy. Also, the younger you lock this in, the more coverage you get for your money. You could start off with the smallest policy now and add more later if you do ever start a family. The smallest policy is this amount for only this amount per paycheck. So you want to remember moving to the next family member, making the same offer for whole life for the spouse and child, even if the employee waives it for themselves when available. Uh, point out while some employees may not need the coverage for themselves, they still get it for their children and move into that script. And that that is, I've sold a lot of whole life on children. When you get a person, they're up there in age, they smoke, whatever the case is. It, I mean, let, we don't need to kid ourselves. Sometimes a whole life, it is expensive. They may want it, but it, it is kind of expensive. But when you roll into that script of the reason why a child should get it and lock it in now, uh, a lot of people will go ahead and do that. Or they may need it on their spouse because it's got the guaranteed issue or whatever the case is. Sometimes it, even if they don't need it on themselves, that doesn't mean that they won't get it for somebody else in their family. After you have given those quotes is when you're next going to roll in back into your supplemental life. Then you're going to move back and say, okay, and then remember, you also have the supplemental life, which is more of the basic life that you can add during your working years. So, and so why do I do it that way? Because if you've already given them the quotes on the supplemental life first, and then you roll into whole life, the whole life is going to sound expensive. Whereas if you've already got that out of the way and locked in, the supplemental life is, you know, it's not a hard sell after that. It's usually low cost. And, you know, this is a way to add more coverage during your working years sort of thing. So quality phrases in this, premiums remain the same. You don't have to worry about a rate increase. Uh, we already discussed guaranteed issue, letting them know that means they could be turned down. Uh, sometimes you want to say, get your foot in the door if they're limited on what they can add. You know, hey, the minimum is this. You could always buy up to the max later, if that's the case, of course. Um, you can say, let's begin with the low option and increase on the next enrollment. Um, or point out, you know, sometimes people twice your age, I always say, you know, if you're an old lady like me, then it, it would be much more expensive for this same amount of coverage. What you don't want to say and what is, and this is for me listening to calls and calls and calls and calls and, uh, you know, when people say no, if you simply say, are you interested in, they're going to say, I mean, I'm not saying every time, but most of the time they're going to say no. Or do you want to hear about, or do you want to quote on this? Um, or I've even heard, let me bring that up. It, it, it's in a different system. You know, that makes it sound like, well, this is going to be a hassle or a long time, so let's forget it. Um, or saying, do you want any additional life insurance? Do you want to quote on that? Those, those are all not quality phrases to use. You want to eliminate buyer's remorse at the end of the enrollment. Uh, compliment them. Uh, you just made a really great decision. 
uh, you made a great choice choosing this. It's a very valuable benefit. You made a really wise decision by getting that. Uh, you made wise choices for your family. Uh, and your family will appreciate the financial security. I think these are great choices you've made for your benefit package. Um, now, of course, all that's, you know, if the, now obviously if they waived every single thing, you don't want to say you made some really wise choices. Maybe they do. But you know what I mean. Compliment them when uh, they are making wise choices. And then so these are the important takeaways on this. Always, always, always. You have to give quotes. So never ask if they'd like to hear more or get a quote. Give the information and give a quote always. Always explain guaranteed issue. Explain what that means is they cannot be turned down now, but they could be in the future. You never know what medical conditions a person is dealing with. And then always offer each benefit on every family member. Those are the main uh, takeaways from that. And that is the end. Thanks, Shelly.